folks, welcome back to Dub Africa. This is Chris once again. Welcome back to Chris White Africa for today's news and analysis, folks. The big news for today is South Africa's President Sir Ramaphosa is set to address the nation at 8 p.m. local time in South Africa. That's just under two hours from now. I'll be carrying that live right here on Chris White Africa. So tell your friends, tell your family, tune in with live commentary as it unfolds. Expect nothing but really, really bad news for South Africa, folks. Uh, we can anticipate that uh, even if the lockdown stays at the current level three restrictions in South Africa, that the ANC will pick and choose as if they have a, a la carte menu and take more restrictive measures from here and from there and apply them to South Africans. This is probably not going to be good news at all. We can anticipate all sorts of things like no gatherings whatsoever, no funeral gatherings of more than 10 people perhaps, um, certainly possibly even an alcohol ban again. And a news update, according to Rob Erasmus and the Daily Maverick, the fire that consumed portions of Table Mountain, the Table Mountain fire also destroyed the UCT library, was in fact not an accident, not an act of nature, but indeed it was arson. It was intentionally set. Video surveillance has identified a vehicle that is likely the culprit well, the people inside the vehicle, obviously, but the vehicle involved in this arson, which did tremendous damage in Cape Town, nearly came at great loss of life, too. Very nearly endangered in Gulf neighborhoods. The South African Beer Association has basically begged President Sarah Ramaphosa not to ban beer as part of the lockdown expansion. And Ruibos, South Africa's Red Bush Tea, gets EU protection along the lines of Iconic names like champagne, only champagne from champagne in France can be called actual champagne. Everything else has to have a different name for it, but it can't be called champagne. A similar sort of situation protection now with the European Union applies for Ruibos, which is a very popular form of tea shipped all over the world. The fish rot lawyers in Namibia are <laughs> off the hook, no pun intended. Two South African lawyers who went there for an arraignment were arrested and charged with crimes to which they pled guilty. And President Eric Masisi of Botswana makes a very strange call or argument regarding the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. Tanzania enters into a port deal with China for $10 billion port construction. Nigeria has appointed several new ambassadors, and you might be surprised to find out who they are. And Nigeria and the social media app Coup, since the Nigerian government has abandoned Twitter for the time being, Coup, the India-based Social media app is taking off with lots of Nigerian users switching over to it. And of course, the government also, that aforementioned situation with Nigerian ambassadors was actually announced through the government site on coup. In Mali, 13 peacekeepers are wounded, several gravely wounded, including 12 German and one Belgian peacekeeper after car bomb explodes. In Niger, Niger and Burkina Faso have worked together in multinational operations against jihadists. And in Gabon, President Bongo speaks. <laughs> I, I only mention it because it's such a rare thing. He spoke before a joint session of parliament. Interesting development there. First time in five years since his re-election campaign. Of course, his father famously ruled the country for 42 years, and he's been in office now for over a decade himself. NATO and Mauritania forge stronger, closer ties. And the United Kingdom's Ministry of Defense, where secrets can be found on park benches, literally. <laughs> classified documents discovered laying in the open in public. And former President Donald Trump held a massive rally in Ohio yesterday. According to the chief executive officer of the Nike Corporation, you know them, the folks that make shoes, Nike is a corporation of China and is China. Well, good riddance. Leave Oregon since you don't make anything here anyway. 
go reside in China. The British and Irish Lions faced their first match. This was against Brave Brothams of Japan at Murray Field in Scotland. And it proved to be not much of a challenge for the British and Irish Lions, who went out to a 21-0 halftime lead, eventually won the game 28-10. And Alan Wynne-Jones for the British and Irish Lions, the captain of the team, is out. Conflicting reports. One says he was injured during the game. Of course, I was unable to watch that game, despite lies from Peacock, which claimed that it was broadcast in the United States, but it was not. So I was unable to watch that game. But Alan Wynne-Jones reports saying he was injured in warm-ups. Others saying he was injured during the game. Whatever the case is, Alan Wynne-Jones is out. And for the South African journalists who said that Alan Wynne-Jones was a paper tiger, <laughs> maybe some vindication for that gentleman. Those are the headlines today, Sunday, the 27th of June, as we await President Cyril Ramaphosa. I encourage you to stay with Chris White Africa. After the news and our daily live stream, I will take a short break and then come back at 7.30 South Africa time, 1.30 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the U.S. And we'll start with some pre-Ramaphosa commentary, and then we'll carry that live press conference right here on Chris White Africa with commentary from me, updating you and analyzing what Ramaphosa had to say. Uh, all of South Africa is waiting with bated breath as am I, to see exactly what the National Coronavirus Command Council has recommended to the tourism, I, I, mean, I mean, health minister, <laughs> about what to do in South Africa to deal with the Kawabunga 97th wave. There you have it, folks. Today, the 27th of June, 2021, calls for the president to announce lockdown changes. He's expected to announce several lockdown measures tonight as the country struggles with its uh, additional wave of um, cases. Health experts of the government's ministerial advisory committee have urged the government to take drastic measures to help ease pressure on the hospitals. Some of the proposals being considered include a complete ban on gatherings, a complete ban on the sale of alcohol, moving school holidays forward, in other words, not teaching children, kicking them out of school again, and telling people to work from home. Well, that's going to work with so few people working anyway. In a media briefing on Saturday, the acting minister, pardon, choke there, Mamaloko, Kubaya Kubani confirmed that the highly infectious variant is likely behind the current surge in new cases in South Africa, with new data showing that the variant is rapidly becoming dominant, the dominant one in the country. Well, this is after South Africa's homegrown version or variant of the virus popped up on its shores after the government failed to react correctly or appropriately in 2020. So that's the latest on what's going to happen. We'll hear the actual facts and what Ramaphosa has to say. But I guarantee you two things, ladies and gentlemen. The ANC will say we've done an amazing job as the ANC protecting South Africans. Let's congratulate ourselves. And number two, if there's any shortcomings, it's all your fault. It's not the government's fault. It's not the ANC's fault. It's not the National Coronavirus Command Council's fault. It's your fault. Your behavior is responsible. This is what Ramaphosa will tell you tonight, guaranteed. Put it in the bank. It's money in the bank. The massive conflagration that broke out on Table Mountain in April, which I covered here live, the only site around the world covering live feeds and, and information on the events as they unfold in Cape Town on the previously channel, which, previous channels, which was banned. Uh, that fire, as it turns out, we didn't speculate whether it was arson at the time because we had no evidence of it, but now there's evidence that, in fact, it was arson. Table Mountain fire that gutted UCT library was a malicious act, the investigation finds. An investigation of the Table Mountain wildfire in April that raged through 600 hectares of land and 11 buildings, including sections of UCT, points to it being an act of malice. A car was seen close to the scene two minutes before the fire began. A report on the 18 April Table Mountain wildfire investigated by Robert Rasmus of the Environmental Wildfire Services has ruled out any possibility of the fire being a natural or accidental or negligent occurrence. Evidence suggesting the fire was started as a malicious act is being investigated. We're unable to eliminate the possible accidental negligence options. Then we moved on to the third category, which was malicious. We've got the video footage that is fixed on where the fire started. And there's absolutely no fire, no smoke, no human activity at all. 
Erasmus investigations now found that the only activity around the fire starting point was when a white car pulled over about 400 meters from where the fire started and drove along for another 400 meters walk at a walking pace before driving off. Within two minutes, the fire started. We believe something was thrown from the vehicle and we'll be going back there now. We've got some experiments we're going to conduct to confirm hypothesis. The Erasmus investigation confirmed that the fire of the homeless man was accused of starting on the night before Table Mountain wildfire was a separate incident. The wildfire began on Sunday morning with the temperature reaching 30 degrees Celsius. It started Devil's Peak and spread to the University of Cape Town, destroying the Jaeger Reading Room, a library that housed historical archives. Strong winds made it difficult for firefighters to contain the blaze, which damaged 600 hectares of land, 11 buildings, including the Rhodes Memorial Restaurant and Mustard's Mill. The primary reason for the loss being suffered from this fire event was due to windblown embers landing on dry fuels, thatch roofs, pine and palm trees, ivy, leaves and gutters, and so on. And that set them alight, resulting in buildings catching on fire. It appears the fire was intentional and malicious, ladies and gentlemen. That's unfortunate. We never made that accusation that day because we had no evidence of it, but now there clearly seems to be evidence of it. A white car, which appears to have it started the fire. Beer makers in South Africa are pleading for the government not tonight to ban alcohol. The Beer Association of South Africa comprised the Craft Brewers Association, Heineken South Africa, and South African Breweries has implored the government to steer clear of yet another alcohol ban in the country. It comes just before Ramaphosa's address tonight. The industry claims that the three previous alcohol bans resulted in 7,400 jobs lost in the beer industry alone, 14.2 billion in lost rand in revenue, and more than eight, almost eight billion in revenue losses in taxes and excise duties to the government. That eight billion represents nearly half of the total bill to vaccinate all of South Africa's population, simply from the sale of beer alone. We urge the national government to implement interventions to save lives without sacrificing livelihoods as we fight the wave coming over in the coming weeks. Good news for South African tea producers and for folks in the Western Cape. Rui Boss Tea has gotten a degree of protection from the European Union. It's strange that this, this request was only made in 2017. You would think it would have been done decades ago, but it wasn't to protect this iconic name. South Africa's beloved Rui Boss Tea now in the same league as Champagne, Feta, and Irish whiskey. South Africa's Rubas tea has become the first food in Africa to receive approval for registration under the status of international protection from the European Union. This places Rubas in the same league as Champagne, Fed, Irish whiskey, and Porto, among other products already existing in the register. By this inclusion and recognition that you use geographical indication register, Rubas can now use the protected designation of origin logo, or PDO. This signifies the product quality, reputation, other unique characteristics directly linked to that particular geographical area. It also means a rooibos, or red bush in Afrikaans, can only be used to refer as such if it's made from dried leaves of 100% pure rooibos and blends derived from the Asphalalthus linearis, which has been cultivated or wild harvested in the designated province of the Western Cape and Northern Cape. Excellent news. Excellent news. 2017 is when they first started the certification. And there's a look at Rooibos production since 2006. It comes and goes because people respond to the market and it takes time for it to mature. But in 2020, over 20,000 metric tons were produced. An average of 14,000 tons are produced every year. Top export destinations for Rooibos back in 2019, the most recent statistics available. This is Germany leads the pack, followed by Japan. Everyone else trails distantly behind that. The Netherlands comes in third at 672 metric tons. United Kingdom, the USA with nearly half or 500 metric tons. Botswana, Botswana, tiny Botswana with just 2 million people consumes that much rooibos tea. I can attest to that. I lived in Botswana. People love it. China, there's a lot of opportunity for growth there. And little Sri Lanka with 170. Interesting enough there. Sri Lanka and Botswana, tiny little markets. Can you imagine if they can produce more of this, how popular this would be around the world? Goes to 30 countries globally, but these are the top ones in the list. Rooibos tea. Congratulations to South Africa's rooibos growers or producers. 
the lawyers involved in the fish rot scandal, they're not involved in the scandal, they were defending clients there who were arrested and charged with crimes or illegally operating or working in, in Namibia without a license. Uh, this has kind of been set aside now. <clears throat> Two senior South African lawyers end up arrested and convicted on charges under the Immigration Control Act when they traveled in Namibia to represent the men accused in the fish rot fishing quotas corruption case are now off the hook. <laughs> no pun intended. After the convictions were set aside and declared null and void by the high court judge. The arrest of senior counsel Mike Helens and Davi Joubert by an immigration official to Vindhoek Magistrate's Court on the 29th of November 2019 was not lawful because at the time of the arrest, they were entitled to be in the on the basis of visitors' permits issued to them. Acting Judge Collins Park concluded in a judgment delivered in the high court on Wednesday. If Helens and Joubert had been accorded basic courtesy as senior counsel, and the immigration official had only served them with a summons to Imperial Court, all this very serious and dangerous mystery in the law, which resulted in uncalled for, disgraceful, and undignified consequences, would have been averted, Parker said. Well, there you have it. Unjustly arrested and charged with a crime in Namibia, now set aside. Congratulations to those gentlemen. Botswana's President Eric Masisi makes a strange comment about uh, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, saying that it must be domesticated within countries. What is he talking about? Is he saying that countries should have the right to abrogate the agreement and just modify it and follow it in any direction they choose? Quite strange what Masisi's got going on here. President uh, Mokwetsi Eric Masisi on Saturday urged African countries' parliaments to ensure that the Continental Free Trade Agreement is domesticated for it to be effective. He made this in a speech he delivered on the occasion of the official opening of the 49th Southern African Development Community Par Parliamentary Forum. The African Continental Free Trade Agreement cannot be effective without domestication at national level, noted Masisi, before noting that this is one area that falls within the purview of national parliaments. Really don't understand what he's talking about here. To this end, there should be no reason why SADC and Africa as a whole cannot be major players to partake in global GDP at par with other regions of the world. The African Continental Free Trade Agreement is one of the key drivers that can position Africa as an economic powerhouse. Well, don't hold your breath on that, folks. That uh, delivery on the promises by these elites in Africa is a long way off. Tanzania and China are working together on a $10 billion port deal. Just a week after assuming his presidency of China back in 2013, President Xi Jinping embarked on a maiden foreign visit. And that went to Africa. He stopped at Russia, and then he arrived in Africa, including a visit to Tanzania. The plan was to help with them with their Bricks and Roads Initiative, or Belt and Road Initiative, to build a port. And now Tanzania is looking at building a $10 billion port in Bagamoyo, about 75 kilometers north of Dar es Salaam. Tanzania's Dar es Salaam is already congested, known for the terrible traffic jams leading to it. So the plan was drawn up for a new $10 billion sprawling port at Bagamoyo, 75 kilometers to the north. And now the ambitious plan looks like it's going to finally get going. Tanzanian President Samia Sulu Hassan said the country will look to revive the port project. Could be a boon for East Africa, which could use more port facilities. Nigeria has appointed new ambassadors, and you might be surprised to find out who they are and how it was announced. It was announced over coup, the India social media app that, that is similar to Twitter that the Nigerian government has switched to since it suspended Twitter's operations in Nigeria over their censorship of their serving president. The federal government deploys ex-service chiefs as ambassadors to Nigeria's neighbors. The posting of former service chiefs was announced by the federal government via its official coup account. Sadiq Abubakar, former chief of air staff, was deployed to Chad. Ibok Ete Ibas, ex-chief of naval staff to Ghana. Turku Boratai, former chief of army staff, I know him, General Boratai, was deployed to Benin, while Abayoma Olensakin, former chief of defense staff, was deployed to Cameroon. And then Sani Usman, former defense chief, was deployed to Niger. President Buhari appointed these ex-service chiefs as non-career ambassadors before or after they left office. Some Nigerians have criticized the nominations of the ex-service chiefs owing to their performance on security in the country, but the president's defended the appointment, saying it's a reward for hard work. Well, whatever it is, 
all of their ambassadors in the countries immediately surrounding, it seems now almost all of them, are actually former military generals. That's an interesting development in and of itself. Nothing wrong with military generals being ambassadors or, I don't know, say colonels <laughs> being ambassadors, but that is an odd situation. Meanwhile, the aforementioned coup, the India microblogging app, inside Indian app coup where Nigerians are migrating to after a Twitter ban. There you go. People are moving over to coup. Almost a week after the indefinite suspension of Twitter's operations took effect on June 4th, officials were uh, creating accounts on the microblogging platform coup. All the accounts were created afterwards, verified with the yellow badge, and have started putting out regular official updates. The Gov Nigeria page has amassed 49,000 followers compared with the 1.4 million ahead on its Twitter page. Coup presents itself as a Twitter alternative with less stringent moderation policies. It's filling up a vacuum during the Twitter ban. As Coup leverages the Twitter ban vacuum to expand to Nigeria, Nigerians, particularly the Arewa youth, are leading social political movements in the northern part of the country, are switching the platform as a way of continuing online public conversations about their interest. Nigeria's most used social media platforms, WhatsApp, 93% of internet users in Nigeria use WhatsApp, 86 Facebook, 82% YouTube, 73% Instagram. Twitter is only 61%. Coup doesn't even make an appearance on here, but you can expect to see it climb on here. Tumblr, way down there, just 4% of internet users. Skype, 12%. Coup has a 400-character limit as compared to Twitter's 280. So there you go. It could be the platform of choice for Nigerians as they go forward. When one door closes, another door opens. In Mali, a car bomb has caused the wounding of 13 peacekeepers involved in the mission. In Mali, 12 of them German, one a Belgian. UN says a car bomb targeted a temporary peacekeeper base near Tarkint in the northeastern region of Gao. At least 13 UN peacekeepers have been wounded in a car bomb attack in northern Mali. The UN and German government sent a latest attack on the war-torn Sahel state. UN's peacekeeping mission in Mali, Minusima, said on Twitter on Friday that the wounded soldiers were evacuated following the incident early in the day that targeted a temporary base. In a public statement, German Defense Minister Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer also said that 12 of the peacekeepers were German and three were seriously injured. Two of the three were in stable condition. One has undergone surgery. All the wounded have been evacuated by helicopter. The Belgian defense minister also said in a statement that the attack had injured a Belgian soldier. The violence continues unabated in the region. However, Niger and Burkina Faso are happy about a degree of success in this conflict. Niger and Burkina Faso's armies have hailed the results of a joint operation against jihadist forces, saying they had killed some 100 terrorists so far this month. Their joint statement came two weeks into the coordinated campaign along the common border against the forces behind a string of deadly attacks there. Operations involved several hundred soldiers from each army and have been carried out on both sides of the border. So far, they've killed more than 100 terrorists that they identify, destroyed about 100 of their motorbikes and other vehicles, as well as capturing and destroying weapons. These results have lived up their expectations, said General Salafu Modi, chief of staff of the Niger's army, during a visit to the military camp at Dori, the capital of the Sahel region in northern Burkina Faso. Also, a number have been arrested. Troops on the ground for Operation Tanli, or Alliance, or Cohesion, in the local Gomakema language of eastern Burkina Faso, have also had air support for reconnaissance and search operations. Gabon's president made an appearance before Parliament, a joint session, something he rarely does. Bongo urges unity in his first speech to Parliament in five years. President Ali Bongo Ondimba on Friday called for the support of MPs and senators not to let Gabon's unity disintegrate. In his first speech to Parliament in five years, and two years and eight months after a serious stroke. His last address to the two chambers of Congress, largely dominated by his party since he became head of state in 2009, was back in June of 2016, two months before his re-election. Of course, his father served for 42 years as head of state before he took over. Ali Bongo Ondimba, 62, was elected in 2009 after the death of his father, Omar Bongo, who had ruled the small, oil-rich African country for 42 years. 
He was reelected in 2016. Mauritania and NATO strengthen relations, something I'm not surprised to see, having been the first uh, U.S. military person to ever do any security cooperation with the G5 Sahel Defense College. I'm not surprised to see that NATO is seeking stronger ties with Mauritania. NATO and Mauritania are furthering, further developing their longstanding partnership by widening the scope of their political dialogue and practical cooperation. NATO's civil and military officials have just completed a trip to Mauritania where they discussed opportunities for potential advice, training, and capacity building activities in support of Mauritanian national defense and security structures and institutions. The trip follows a visit to Brussels early in the year by the president of Mauritania. During this month's NATO summit, Brussels allied leaders point out that the deteriorating situation in the Hell region matters to NATO's collective security. They made clear that the NATO's approach to the cell is currently focused on a long-standing relationship with Mauritania and that allies also continue to engage in dialogue with relevant NATO partners. Not at all surprising about that from the NATO news. Well, are you looking for secrets? Are you looking for classified information? Well, in the United Kingdom, you just rock up at a park bench and there it is. <laughs> classified Ministry of Defense documents found at a bus stop. At a bus stop, folks, can you believe it? One set of documents discusses the likely Russian reaction to the ship's passage through Ukrainian waters off the Crimean coast on Wednesday. Other details plans for a possible UK military presence in Afghanistan after the US-led mission there ends. The government said an investigation has been launched. The Ministry of Defense said it's investigating an incident in which sensitive defense papers were recovered by a member of the public. Almost 50 pages were found in a soggy heap behind a bus stop in Kent early on Tuesday morning. A member of the public who wished to remain anonymous contacted the BBC when he realized the sensitive nature of the documents. BBC believes the documents include emails and PowerPoint presentations originating in the office of a senior official at the Ministry of Defense. Documents relating to the Royal Navy's Type 45 destroyer HMS Defender show that a mission described by the MD as innocent passes through Ukrainian territorial waters with guns covered and ship's helicopter stowed in its hangar was conducted in the expectation that Russia might respond aggressively. On Wednesday, more than 20 Russian aircraft and two Coast Guard ships shattered the warship as it sailed 12 miles off Crimea's coast. <laughs> well, uh, the United Kingdom has a long history of inability to protect its secrets. Uh, it is very inefficient at that. Between the homosexuals who betrayed the country back in the 1950s to the Soviets, the ring of homosexual spies, or the members of GCHQ who disclosed classified information about collection efforts during the first Gulf War or the second Gulf War after 2003 because their personal political differences, people who didn't wind up in jail and should have been put in jail for the rest of their natural lives. UK has a long history. So now we just leave things behind a bus stop. <laughs> Unbelievable. Former President Donald John Trump held a rally in Ohio yesterday in which he went off on woke generals and not critical race theory. Former President Trump mocks the nation's woke generals and bashed their embrace of critical race theory during his first post-White House rally Saturday in tiny Wellington, Ohio. The Biden administration issued new rules pushing twisted critical race theory into our military. Trump told several thousand supporters gathered at Lorain County Fairgrounds. Our generals and our admirals are now focused more on this nonsense than they are on our enemies. You see these generals lately on television? They are woke. Our military will be incapable of fighting and incapable of taking orders, Trump predicted. That private's going to tell the general, don't you ever speak to me that way, general. I'll kick your ass. That's our military. <laughs> Trump does have a way with words. He does have a way with words, but a huge crowd showed up for him. On Wednesday, General Milley, chairman of the Pentagon's Joint Chiefs of Staff, defended critical race theory, a story I reported on here as it broke on Chris White Africa. Trump said the military brass become weak and ineffective leaders, and our enemies are watching and they're laughing. Biden is squandering all this hard-earned respect that we have or had, bowing to our enemies and embarrassing our country on the world stage. He ridiculed Vice President Kamala Harris's sudden visit to the Mexican border. Kamala Harris, your vice president, went to the border yesterday for one simple reason, that I announced that I was going, Trump declared, referring to his joint trip 
with Governor Abbott of Texas set for June 30th. If I didn't do that, I know that she was never going to go. Well, there you go. The effort was meant to boost Max Miller, former Trump White House aide who plans a primary challenge against uh, Tony Gonzalez, Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, one of 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump. Yeah, Gonzalez, former Ohio State wide receiver and standout and Indianapolis Colt, disgraced himself by his inability to read and understand the Constitution when he voted to impeach Trump. So um, perfectly good idea to run someone against him. Nike is a brand that is of China and for China, according to its CEO. What? Did Philip Knight say this? No, Philip Knight is no longer the CEO of the athletic shoe manufacturer. The CEO of Nike said the corporation is a brand of China this week amid recent allegations the company had been implicated with human rights violations conducted by the Chinese Communist Party. John Donahoe, the new Nike CEO, while speaking to Wall Street analysts, said that Nike is a brand that is of China and for China, when responding to a question about competition from Chinese companies during a fourth quarter meeting. We've always taken a long-term view. We've been in China for over 40 years. Referring to the apparel brand's co-founder and ex-CEO, he said, Phil, invest, Phil Knight, investigated significant time energy in China in the early days, and today we are the largest sport brand there. Well, you know what? You can go there. Nike boss defends the firm's business in China. If you're so fond of it, Mr. Donahoe, take your corporation from Oregon to China, be gone, and delist yourself from the New York Stock Exchange and watch your billions in wealth, Philip Knight, disappear. You don't want America? We don't want you. Buy, be gone. If you think you're part of China, then go to China. If that's where your future lies, with 1.5 billion people and a declining population, an aging population, if you think that's where your future market is, then go there. Be gone. You're unwanted and unloved. I haven't bought a pair of Nikes in 30 years because they're crap. Terrible shoes. Overpriced. Changing the styles every 90 days. You can never get the same shoes that you like because you have to get something new. Bad on the arches. Terrible stuff. Go with Asics. No, thank you. Japanese brand, by the way. The British and Irish Lions played the Brave Blossoms of Japan at Murray Field in Scotland yesterday, and it was an easy victory for the British and Irish Lions. Came out with a final 28-10, to 10 was full-time score, as the Lions marched along pretty comfortably. A hat-trick of tries from debutantes scored a 28-10 to 10 victory for the British and Irish Lions over Japan. Josh Adams scored the opening try. Duhan Fandemeva joined the try-scoring party shortly afterwards. And then Courtney Laws added a try. Oh, he had a try ruled out. Pardon, he had a try ruled out. But uh, Tagbien became the third player to score uh, as a debutant 49 minutes in with Dan Bigger kicking all four conversions. Courtney Laws' try was, was negated. Well, they make it sound as if it was close, but this was never a close match. The British and Irish Lions had control of this the whole way. And Alan Wynne-Jones and Justin Tuparica ruled out of the Lions tour for the rest of the time owing to injuries. Confusing reports. One report says it was in warm-ups, another says it was during the game. Welsh duo Adam Beard and Josh Navidi have been called into the British and Irish Lions 37-man touring squad to replace tour captain Alan Wynne-Jones and Justin Tupert. Both sustained tour-ending shoulder injuries during the Lions' 28-10 win over Japan. We're incredibly disappointed for Alan Wynne and Justin, Lions coach Warren Gatlin had to say. The time of these injuries seemed particularly cruel given we were to fly to South Africa tomorrow, but unfortunately, they're part of the game. Allen Wynn will obviously be lost both on and off the field, but will be able to be replaced by Connor. <laughs> to the South African journalist who said that Allen Wynn-Jones was a paper tiger, perhaps you called it. There you have it. It's unfortunate. Folks, uh, that is the analysis of today's headlines for the 27th of June, 2021.